we rolling? We are now rolling. Yes. Alberta Filmmakers Podcast. Me, 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 me. Okay, thanks. Hello and welcome to the Alberta Filmmakers Podcast. Hi, Scott Westby. Hi, Matt Waterworth. How are you? Oh, man, I've never been better in my whole life. Thanks for asking me that. How are you? Uh, I'm shitty. Oh, that's... No, I'm just kidding. I just... <laughs> yeah, I can't match that energy, Matt, so <laughs> I, I, the only way to win is to not play. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. That's, is that from a movie? Uh, I know Joss Whedon said it. Did he? Yeah, he said it about the Avengers 2 post-credit oh, sequence because right. the first the first Avengers has them eating shawarma. Um, yes. And people were like, how are you going to top that? And that's what he said. But it's not his quote because uh, obviously that's an age-old <laughs> it's a good, line. It's a good line. Though. But uh, it's the one that I'm taking. So anyway, how are you? I'm we already asked this okay. question. Last week we had Guillaume on, right. which is great. But we should mention uh, right out of the gate here that um, he did uh, misspeak um and he would like to clarify that he was mistaken about the story hive digital short directed by james barry he was talking about uh the fact that he'd written some some script stuff for it um and he wrote a draft that didn't end up getting used and the script that was in fact used was written by the director james so he just wanted to make sure that we were uh clearing that up and and correcting that for him so thanks again for being here guillaume and uh, i hope that clears everything up so uh this sunday was the end of a week-long session of canadian screen awards um and a pretty good showing for alberta um uh, filmmakers from alberta won five awards specifically uh best biography or arts documentary program or series for balaluya so congrats to the corkscrew team on that Uh, best science or nature documentary for the great human odyssey best original music for a nonfiction program as well for the great human odyssey Best News Special for Decision Alberta, and the Best Reportage, which is just a great word, um, for uh, the Global Calgary Taxis Assault uh, Story. Um, so congrats, guys, and uh, bring those trophies home. Yeah, for sure. Um, some big news with the CMPA and ACTRA. They've recently come to uh, a conclusion of their negotiations for a renewal of the independent production agreement. And as part of those agreements, they're going to be... Uh, kind of visiting uh, some Alberta cities. Um, They're gonna be here in Calgary on March 17th, and there's an event for CMPA and AMPIA members at the Sheraton Suites Calgary Eau Claire from three to five. And then uh, they're gonna move over to the Barley Mill, which is right across the street um, for a public event uh, happening from five to seven. And then the next day, March 18th in Edmonton, from two to four, a private event for just CMPA and AMPIA members uh, again uh, in Edmonton at the Fairmont Hotel McDonald. Uh, and then from 12 to 2, uh, actually, so the public event is before, uh, from 12 to 2 at the Alberta Hotel Bar and Kitchen. Uh, it's going to be open to the public there. So uh, some updates on the agreement between producers and ACTRA. If you are uh, have been following the story of the Calgary Film Center, the studio space that we've uh, been building here for uh, just so long. Uh, <laughs> we've been talking about it for since I was a pup and uh, it's finally going to be opening this spring and uh, the organization has just named the general manager. Um, it is a, a just a wonderful lady named Erin O'Connor. Uh, she was the former executive director of One Yellow Rabbit. She's currently the managing director of Contemporary Calgary. So congrats to Erin uh, to and we, we can't wait to see uh, what she's able to do with the space. Um, did you know that the the studio is is built on like eight acres of land? I had no idea. I didn't know it was it was in that big of a, of a kind of a field, um, which is great. And hopefully yeah. we can kind of make the best use of that. Yeah, I'm ashamed to say I've only seen pictures. We got to go out and visit it at sure. some point. We'll take the podcast. Yeah. Hey guys, can you hear that? <laughs> That's the film center. Come along, audience. Join us. <laughs> 
the National Film Board of Canada has made a, a great announcement uh, on International Women's Day that uh, they'll be committing 50% of the production budget to films by women. Um, so you can learn more about this on, uh, on a variety article that we have in the show notes, but um, the chair of the NFB, Claude Jolie Coeur, announced uh, that that's going to be the case. So improving some of their numbers uh, for women when it comes to um, representation in filmmaking. Awesome. Here in Canada. That's great. Yeah. Uh, another kind of development in the story, of course, entertainment trying to buy Shaw Media. Um, a $2.65 billion deal. Um, but as we've discussed on the podcast previously, it's mostly just shuffling chairs around. Um, but they had a special meeting last week um, where 100% of the Class A shareholders, which are mostly company insiders, voting in support of the deal and 78.5% of Class B shareholders voting, which is actually, I feel like it's kind of low um, to yeah. support a deal like that. But uh, yeah, an interesting, uh, interesting development there. So anyway, they're moving forward uh, with the deal, um, which should... Uh, save them up to 50 million dollars in annual costs within two years so damn pretty cool to have those efficiencies yeah i'm interested to see how that all turns out Mm -hmm. so in in the full swing world uh we have uh yet another practicum student with us um her name is christy Mm -hmm. yes Um, you you heard you may have heard cody yeah yeah, uh, predicting the oscars on our oscar prediction episode yeah i had already stolen the answer for spotlight which i'll remind our listeners that i won yeah whatever it's true there's a tweet where i predicted spotlight like two months in advance but whatever right you predicted everything <laughs> so um christy's joining us for a three-week practicum from the state uh rtbn uh program and uh, i think it, it it behooves us to kind of chat about this program because we've never really talked about it on the podcast and she's just been sitting here saying she's that. literally just been staring <laughs> at us um hi christy how are you Good. How about you? So great. Good. Thanks for being here. You're welcome. <laughs> so what is the title of the program? She has to be here. <laughs> yeah, I didn't really have an option. <laughs> yeah, that's true. So, uh, so the program's actually called the, I'm part of the television production program, so it is the RTBN. So it's under the RTBN yeah. umbrella. Okay. okay. Radio, broadcast, television news. Right. And it, do you touch any of that other stuff, television or broadcast or radio before? Uh, yeah. So our first semester, we're all lumped together radio, broadcast news, and oh, okay. television. So we do audio, we do some speech classes, and then we also do specialized, we like kind of break into our own groups. Radios go with radios, BNs go with BNs, TVs go with TNs. We have like a studio class that's split up into two different groups. Then we start actually doing more of the specific television right. stuff. So what's, what's, what, what difference uh, is kind of learning between broadcast news and television? So television is all the behind the scenes, okay. whereas the broadcast news are the talent. So they're the oh, ones who okay. are in front of the uh, cameras as well. So they're doing more of the speaking and the news and the journalism side of it. And we're so you're working with them on a lot of your projects? Yes. Oh, right. Oh, that makes cool. Sense. That's right. great. What a great way to do it. And, and you're in your second year. Yes. Um, and TV students have a three-week practicum, which we do. Yeah. I'm a fan of over the 40 hours that the film program puts out and i find mm. for us uh, as, a, as a company it's great mm-hmm. to be able to bring someone on for three weeks for and sure, really yeah. kind of ingrain them in a better learning experience yeah mm-hmm. um and and uh how, how have you enjoyed the program i really enjoy it i mean the one big difference between the radio or the uh film and then the television is we actually learn how to do a new show so we do right. all the counting we do all the um, switching and we do all that stuff. So we actually have that ability as well as being able to go into like film sets and stuff right. like that. So I think it gives us a more broad right. uh, scope when we come out of it, which is pretty great. <laughs> cool. Yeah, and uh, I think it's a good a good attitude to have. I think uh, I think film students, uh, and I'm guilty of this too, graduate with a bit of a, 
um, an ego and, and expecting that their their current trajectory will take them into uh, Hollywood with, in due time. Right. Um, Mm-hmm. But I think it's it's good to come out of that TV mindset and, and understand that it is a business and kind of how that business works. Um, which is so, great. what's the application process like? So, the application pro- the process is you essentially you have to fill out this entire sheet. It's I think the same for the film program. Yeah. Um, just like a bunch of questions of like where you think um, you would fit in, as well as like what you think you would get out of the program. Um, then you do an interview. Um, I did mine over the phone because I was in Ontario at the time. Oh, okay. So mine was slightly different than everyone else's. They have them come in in like groups of three, I think, and they are interviewed by the instructors who cool. then make assessments about whether or not they think they would fit in and succeed well in it. Uh, I already had a degree, so they right. were pretty lenient on yeah, me right, as right. it was. <laughs> They're like, you can do four years of university, you will be you okay. You will survive, <laughs> yeah. What, what's your degree in? I have a degree in theater. In theater? Right. So um, that's interesting that that you're behind the scenes now, yeah. Um, instead of uh, on the stage, mm-hmm. um, have, do you found that it's, it's been helpful to have that degree in this program? Oh, for sure. Yeah. I mean, I went to Augustana, so it's uh, faculty of the U of A. Uh, so we already do a lot of the behind the scenes work as it is. So setting lights, building our sets, and stuff like that. Uh, the acting is fun, but I always liked the behind the scenes part of it. There's something like sat that like makes you satisfied about like being able to like have something standing after you're done. Right, right. Yeah, it kind of you've kind of made something more tangible, I think, behind mm-hmm. the scenes maybe. Yeah, cool. That's great. And so for, for film, we have specializations or we had specializations when we were there. Is yes. is there a, the same thing? Yep. So we also have three streams, directing, producing, uh editing and camera work they are changing it though this right. is the last year for it yeah oh they're changing it in tv too okay cool yeah they're changing it all across the board i think um to make it more that you're more rounded as you come out rather right. than being specialized i'm not sure how i feel about that because mm-hmm. i feel like you might lose a bit of the education in certain mm-hmm. realms um and i mean it is a good argument for what schools are in business to do right are they, oh, that's are absolutely they true. to train specialists or filmmakers or yeah you know, people who have a general experience and i don't think there is a, a right or wrong answer no it's yeah. a double-edged sword and i think oh, i think maybe ba- just based on the economy it's better to equip people with lots of things more general skills yeah. they're hoping to get people out there that can kind of run their own businesses as opposed yeah. to having to rely on other people because mm-hmm. right. if you're only good at one thing it's a lot harder to like jump into a different seat become the producer if right. you don't necessarily know what the objectives are going to be so they try and make you more well-rounded which is also totally an acceptable choice for them to go into definitely yeah so when you run a when you when you run like a show mm-hmm. is there does it air anywhere does i, I feel like yeah. i heard shaw used to pick it up or so still we does? do send it to shaw and then okay. every four weeks because we share the station with um mount royal and nate i believe we oh, send wow. it to ctv oh cool ctv too i believe yeah and, and what how do they air it just like i yeah. Any, like during the day or, or? Uh, it's an evening show i okay. believe on fridays sweet they show it yeah that's cool cool uh and so do you have to which is your stream editing yeah editing right. okay. editing is my stream yep awesome so are so are you live editing the show like are you live switching and then sending that tape or do you yep. edit the show afterwards no uh well we try not to edit the show right, right. stuff happens <laughs> yeah, um yeah. but yeah no so as an editor we either do the live weather cam um switching right. uh the graphics or we do the server so we bring in all of the um stuff that the bns have created over the week oh so like remote 
Yeah, we bring that kind of stuff in as well as like if they've done any packs, we right. are the ones that send them straight to the switcher that they can be brought up and then shown to everyone. What's um, a pack? So essentially, <laughs> <laughs> that's what their like little new standups are called. So it's when they okay. go out somewhere. Uh, so if they go to an event, um, they do kind of like a, a little speech at the front of it. Okay. A little blurb about what is actually happening, when people can go and see it, right. how it's impacting the community. And then that's pretty much they send that to us and then we can put it into the new show. Yeah. Cool. All right. Sweet. And how often are these shows made, produced? So we do a rehearsal um, on Wednesdays and Thursdays and then our live show is on the Friday. Oh, that's cool. the one that we send to Shaw afterwards. Yeah. Sweet. How is the I don't know. I don't know if, if you know the answer to this, but how, how is this program adapting to sort of the changing landscape in news? I know radio is kind of has been the same for a long time and mm -hmm. i think will be because you can't watch anything in your car but um are you, are you finding that you're that you're feeling like your education has been future-proofed here yes and no um they do try and keep on top of all the trends one of our instructors is mildly obsessed with vr <laughs> um so we can't escape that <laughs> at any point um, but they do try and make us as well-rounded and try and accept that like things are going to change right. and it's not necessarily that they can do it with us because it'll it it it, it all just kind of like adapts so fast that it's kind of hard to right. necessarily predict or get the money to expand on that in right. class but, right like, they right. try and teach us like the basics of everything so that we can jump on any new technology and kind cool. of adapt to it that actually is kind of an argument for more of a generalist training yeah. specialist because oh, yeah. um, if you if you train in editing and for some reason the robots can take over um, and do that will. for you which they will of course absolutely um, which is totally fine for the record <laughs> it's funny that you say you can't watch anything in your car because i just saw an article that ford filed for a patent to make the windshield a, a screen oh nice because of course we're going to be having self-driving cars soon yeah. so they filed the patent uh. where you can just be entertained while your car drives itself somewhere so can i put this as a matt waterworth prediction that self-driving cars will kill radio oh no i wouldn't say that why not although yeah you're right because then you'd be watching tv and where that. how will radio survive at that point that's a good point. Interesting. I mean, people listen to radio at work. Yeah. 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 Um, you know what? I think I don't think it's ever going to go away. I just don't. But it might make it smaller. It right. might make it so that there's just one station for every city. Right. There's no especially with satellite radio. Oh, absolutely. Doing what it's doing. So, huh? Cool. And then you just get your your city centric information because that's what satellite can't do is they can't do mm -hmm. traffic and weather for you because it's all over the continent. So, but Google knows. Google does know. Google knows everything. But are they starting a radio station? They should. <laughs> no, my phone My phone tells me now. Yeah, that's true. That's true. And it can be in the little corner of the screen yep. on the Ford thing, too. Yeah, it's a good question. It's a good question. All right. So who's the guest? Oh, wait, well, let's start by saying thank you, Christy. Yeah, oh, thank yeah, you. No yeah, problem. Kind of yeah. expanding our brains on that because um, I didn't realize that they, that they did broadcast. No. I didn't realize what broadcast news that it was right. separate from, from mm -hmm. TV. So that's exciting. Yeah, and we're getting into live streaming events, which which translates way better for the TV students, I think, than the uh, than the film students. Unfortunately, not unfortunately, but it's a different thing. But live streaming, when it comes to our corporate work, has been a pretty popular item that um, we're doing more and more. So, I think the TV students are at least understand that even sometimes better than we do because of the studio experience. Mm -hmm. All righty. Well, thank you again. And uh, where can people find you? Do you want to share any like uh, Twitter, Facebook, uh, website? What do you, anything? I am on Facebook. All right. Just Christy Biange. And I'm on Twitter at uh, 
I don't even remember what it is. <laughs> you can probably search the name. Yeah, you can probably right? search my name. Um, and can people ask you some questions if they're interested in going to the program? Oh, yeah, for sure. All right, cool. Great. Yeah, we'll have uh, the link to Christy's Twitter profile in the show notes. So mm-hmm. you can reach out to her there. Awesome. Uh, so uh, you and I decided to have just a just a full swing productions minus Briar, um, but just a you and I chat right about um, many things. Yeah, so much. We yeah. often we're we're often like just kind of chatting in the car, like, damn, we should have been recording. Totally, this. yeah, yeah. Because um, we have we know things too. Yeah, yeah. So the main focus of our conversation is is how to make a living in the film industry here in Calgary. Right. Um, so here's that conversation. Okay, Scott, Matt, welcome. No guest this time. Thank you for joining me, Matt. Just you and I. Yeah. No, thank you for joining me. Thank you for joining me. <laughs> it's my house. It's my shit. <laughs> okay. You own half of that microphone. I, I think I own your <laughs> microphone. You own mine. So, uh, yeah, we don't have a guest this week. We just wanted to chat about a question that I think comes up a lot. Um, at least it is for me. And it's something that people, I don't know if it's, it's a weird question to ask someone. Um, and, and that question is how do you make a living in this film, in the, in the film industry here? Um, when you don't necessarily have a lot of income from something like a short film, which doesn't make any money or even a feature film, which doesn't necessarily make a lot of money. And if, if it is, it's probably being split up amongst many different sources that are getting that money. So, I thought we could talk about how we survive while simultaneously doing creative things. Yeah, and I think it's a, it's a misconception that um, a lot of people entering the industry have is that is that a lot of filmmakers are full time filmmakers, right. which means that they're working Monday to Friday on creative projects and mm-hmm. somehow keeping their lights on. Right. Um, and 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 that's that's rare. It's rare yeah. to have that level of success. There's not many people in the, our province who are doing it. Mm-hmm. We've spoken to a few of them, and we will have uh, more of them on as we go. Um, and actually, documentary filmmakers are the ones who are doing that the most that I can see. Um, I, I grew up with a family friend named Lorna Thomas, who's been a documentary filmmaker as long as I've known her, and uh, that's all she does. Um, she has a husband, so I, I, I'm not going to make any assumptions, but I bet, you know, there's some sharing of sometimes she's got some income coming in. Sometimes he does. I think having a partner is a big part of surviving uh, as a filmmaker. Um, but it also puts a lot of pressure on you too, because if you have a partner who um, has a, a Joe job and they're making decent money, it's not fair for right. the relationship for you sometimes. to be relying on them so you can for suffer sure. for your art. For sure. But um, at the same time, I think more, there are just more opportunities for documentary filmmakers to get broadcast um slots yeah and i think documentary filmmaking is generally not as expensive as narrative no of course you don't need a crew of 20 people in fact you probably don't want one right um yeah so uh but how do we do it how do we do do it yeah and and, not that we don't want to but i think i think it's a question that that people are too polite to ask often it's like what do you is this actually your job or are you just saying you're a filmmaker but actually you are a Right. You've got some side hustle. Truck driver or whatever <laughs> yeah, it might yeah, be, totally. right? Which um, is fine. You know, I know, totally. I know, I know a couple of filmmakers who uh, make a great living in, in the service industry and, and uh, are able to work during the day because they work at night, um, work during the day on, on creative things and write and things like that. And that's, that's one way to do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but what we decided to do was corporate video. Um, and so this conversation I think is going to maybe hopefully de demonize the corporate video. De demonize. I don't think that's, a thing. I think it's just manize. <laughs> oh, manize. Yeah. Oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
so um, yeah, we're going to talk a little bit about why I think it's okay to do corporate video. And and when I was uh, in school, I was like, I'm never doing that. I'm never doing corporate I felt video. That, I felt the exact same Forget way. Forget that. Like I was, I was pretty naive in that sense. And uh, it turns out that corporate video has been the key to unlocking our own free time not free time, but but unlocking time in general to give us time to focus on creative things and um, put us in control of our own um, schedules so that we can focus on creative things and deadlines when when we need to invest a little more time in that. Um, and so I think, uh, what's where should we start? You know, the, the biggest question I always had before we started was, how do you get clients? Yeah, that's, that's uh, I, I suppose, a good start. Um, and I think uh, a little bit of background on our history was after after Matt and I graduated from SAIT, Matt went to work at 724 Films for many, many years, working on Heartland and other shows uh, in their office. Um, and I went into uh, writing for the internet and then marketing. Um, and I can talk forever about marketing, but I won't do that here. Um, uh, but but the, it has been... It has been helpful, exactly. Um, and and Matt, you managed social media profiles in a professional context for many years as well. So when we started our business, we weren't afraid to come at it from a marketing approach. What is this business or what is this video going to do for your business? Who is your audience? How are you going to attract them? What are they interested in? Um, but for me, when, when we kind of quit our jobs and started this full time, it was mostly about putting it into the just putting it out there that we are a company now. We are free for work. We've got a camera. We know how to do this. Um, and then we, we have all these other kind of marketing social media services that we can clump onto this kind yeah. of core yeah, video for sure. service. For sure. Um, but our first client was someone that we knew. Yeah. And I think this is the, 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 the note that we give to people who are interested in starting their own corporate, uh, endeavors is, is you've got to, um, leverage your own network. Um, so, you know, two of our, our very early clients both came just like mine was just a coincidental connection to the Calgary Expo and yours was a neighbor. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, I think, I think it's tough cause I don't like to be the sales guy, you know, no, neither I, of us are sales. Yeah. We don't, we don't like to like, hey, let's have a meeting and try to convince you that our services are something you need. Um, but so how did that conversation with your neighbor go? Like how did, how did you identify that? He, oh, he needs, it video? was, um, it was Christmas holiday okay. and I had, I had just quit at this marketing company and uh, we were standing around a, a fire um, at the skating party and he was like, so what are you up to? And I was like, oh, I just quit my job. I'm starting a video production company. Oh, we should chat. <laughs> so and that was, that was it. Easier. That was the first right. job. Cool. Um, and, and that's kind of, it set the tone for a lot of our kind of, I guess, quote unquote sales right. is, is just having good relationships and being friendly and being good dudes. Um, and not ripping people off right because right. video has been historically very expensive for sure um, and thus kind of lucrative but mm -hmm. the the bottom has fallen out of this industry you can get a, you can shoot a, a pretty good looking corporate video on your iphone yeah and we've shot a really nice looking one on a gopro yeah for sure um yeah. so those those 10 20 30 videos don't really exist um in in most of what happens most of the activity in our yeah, industry no, not in the i wouldn't say in the training or or um kind of internal corporate video world in the, in the commercial world. I think that still happens. Certainly. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Uh, another, another question is how do you start a business? Oh God. <laughs> um, Briar, Briar got me a book for Christmas mm -hmm. called how to start a small business in Canada for dummies. Right. And, and you and I just sat on our couch and, uh, 
went chapter by chapter and it was like, step one, make a business plan. And we're like, oh, okay, what the hell is a business plan? Um, and this was it. Uh, so we, so we did that for a little while and then, uh, we just kind of go through this book step-by-step step and it was super handy. And, and, and I think it just proves that you don't have to know how to do this shit, but somebody somewhere knows, and they've written a book about it. Uh, and Google is your best friend when yes. you're trying to do something yes. that you don't know how to do. For sure. Um, and now we, you know, we've taken the steps to incorporate and, and we have an accountant and, um, yeah, you just kind of got to, it just kind of grows piece by piece. So we're like, Oh, we need a website. So we built a website and, Oh, we need a better camera. So we got a better camera. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's it, a lot of, a lot of, I think the reason that we've been able to stay in business for almost two and a half years now is, um, because we have been careful with how we spend our money. Yes. We don't have an office because we don't need one because we shoot on location. Mm-hmm. Um, and that would be a one to two to $3,000 expense every month. Yeah. Um, we don't, we usually only rent gear, um, unless it makes sense to purchase it. And that's, that just becomes what we, when we say we're reinvesting in our business, that's what that means. So we'll be like, okay, we could, we could use this project to buy a camera outright. And then we rent it out to our clients for a little bit cheaper than the rental houses do. So they save money and then eventually that pays for itself. And now we're getting a return on investment. Sure. And that was a big goal for us, uh, was to get ourselves to a point where we were agile enough to be able to respond to a client's needs in a really short term way without having to call a rental house and be like, do you have a camera or do you have a tripod or do you have a C stand? Uh, and we need it in mm-hmm. like two hours. Um, that's never a fun call to make. And so getting to the point where we're not reliant on that, um, was a big goal and we're there, which is exciting. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. So, uh, I think another thing to talk about is, is contractors and how we do it all. Right. Sometimes. Um, but there are people who are much better at things like shooting, editing, I think pretty Writing. much pretty much everything that there is, there's someone better than us. Oh, sure, sure. At it, um, but we I don't think we take as much joy in like camera work as some people do. Certainly, and those people are often more proficient because they have that passion for it. Whereas we're more passionate about producing, writing, directing. Right, and I think we we spoke to Christy earlier in this episode about uh, being a generalist. You just broke the time space continuum. <laughs> I did not. <laughs> No, no, this is how it's supposed to be. Right. Um, and so I think it's important if you're learning in this industry, which I, I would hope you are, even if you're a veteran, um, to still be learning, but but specifically to kind of get your hands on as much different aspects of the industry as you can and to practice mm-hmm. as much as you can. Because Matt and I started a company and we could produce, we could write scripts, we could direct, we could shoot. We both knew how to use cameras. We could edit. We both knew how to use uh, different editing softwares from each other. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had, I, I had taught myself a little bit of after effects so we could do some graphics right. work. Yeah. Um, we knew what YouTube was, so we knew how to publish, um, and all that kind of stuff. So we, we were self-sufficient enough that we could cut some pretty steep discounts when, right. when push came to shove, which it does when you're starting out. Yeah. Cause you're a risk, right? You, you, you don't all, have, yeah. you don't have a portfolio that you can prove yourself right. with. Right. So people won't take as much of a risk on a full blown rate, which is fine. It's how you start. Um, but because we could do it all ourselves, that meant that we could basically make zero dollars. Um, but then we would have something to show for it. Mm-hmm. But contractors are uh, often better because like we also talked about with Christy in the past future was, um, <laughs> They're, they're specialists, right? And they've, yeah. they've been dedicating to this to this craft for a long time. Um, so we will usually build a contractor rate into any project that makes sense to do so. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's, that's why networking is so important, not only right. for finding clients, but also finding people that you like that you can work with. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And the other thing that I like about it is, is you know, you're hiring contractors the same way you're hiring people to work on a short film or a feature film. And that brings me to the relationship between corporate video and creative filmmaking. Um, and like I said, for me, I, I never thought that I would ever want to do corporate video, but there's no denying that corporate video has many, many things, items that cross over between uh, when it comes to budget, hiring people, scripting. Yeah. Um, Timelines and deliverables. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. for sure. Uh, so it's great practice. It, it keeps our, our skills uh, sharp. And um, I think, it, and, and the other thing is that it frees us up to, to not have to say, hey, can I take a week off to shoot this short film? Um, yeah, we just build it into our schedules. we're our own bosses. So mm-hmm. um, that's a huge advantage, I, I think. So. And I think something to remember too is, is what we often forget where we think, oh, corporate video is kind of this non-creative boring stuff and that is absolutely not the case Mm -hmm. um and if you if you are coming into this feeling that way then you're probably not going to be satisfying your clients right because they don't want something boring they want something that's engaging they want something that's entertaining as well as performs the way they want it to Mm -hmm. um and chances are if there's like an oil and gas company or a, a restaurant company that are talking to a video production company you're the most creative people that they're going to be talking to that right. day. Yeah. So they see, even if you don't see it as the most creative thing, they see it as the most creative thing that they touch. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're as Hollywood as a lot of them are going to get. Right. right. Um, so we find that it's, I, I've been so wonderfully pleasantly surprised at how creative our work has been in the corporate yeah. field. Yeah. Um, it blows my mind how many of our clients understand that they have to tell a story with with the work that we do in video and anything that they do they should be telling stories when it comes to uh, blogging or or uh, updating the company newsletter all that stuff is going to be way more engaging and way more um, their their audience is going to retain way more of the information if they're telling it in a, in a story way and I, I can't believe how little client education we've had to do on that uh, because it seems to be um, a really uh, prevalent idea which mm-hmm. is great um because we want to be storytellers mm-hmm. uh, and that's what we get to do even in corporate uh, here's a question that we get asked all the time but it's never been an issue for us what what about clients that don't pay right yeah yeah, yeah. and it's just not something we've had uh, uh, had to face the i think a part of it is you know i think we've used our gut a little bit and maybe not engaged with clients who we just felt were like this seems a little shady or a little something's off here. Um, and usually I think we were probably right because the communication wasn't there or, or whatever. And, and so um, that's, I think the way to avoid that is just to, to make sure that you are really uh, conscious of who you're speaking with and, and, and be a good judge of character uh, early on. And also understanding that um, we're, we're really not trying to have clients. We're trying to make friends. Mm-hmm. And yes, it is a business relationship, but it's still a relationship. Um, and maintaining great relationships is, is what has gotten us more business. Because right. keeping an existing customer is like, I don't know the stats, but a lot easier than building <laughs> yeah, a new one. For sure. Um, so just kind of maintaining good relationships and, and just treating your clients like normal people and being able to be a normal person around them um, makes it really hard to not pay you. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, no doubt. Unless they're not satisfied with the work, but that should be something that is flagged earlier on. It mm-hmm. shouldn't be mm-hmm. a, okay, here's the final video. I don't like it. Well, you still owe me my money. That's never a space you should be getting at. If you're, right. if you're coming at it from a collaborative perspective and, and working with your clients instead of trying to shoehorn 
your own ideas in there, which which a lot of corporate video companies yep. will do, and, oh, totally. and, and it, yeah. it will set them up for failure. Yeah, I think that's been an edge of ours as well. Is we don't we don't try to necessarily force a, a creative concept that is just not working for the brand, um, and I think that's uh, that's where we succeed. Um, but we still find ways to, to do something fun and interesting and, and different um, so with many of our clients. You know, sometimes it's just a, it's just a boring training video that, and there's not much to do there. But uh, more often than not now, especially with with clients understanding that they need to need to tell stories, there's an opportunity to get get weird. Um, so what is uh, what would you say is the do, here's here's a question I think a lot of people have. Should I work for free? Oh, God, yes. Yeah. <laughs> God, Go yes. Go on. Why? Um, not always, but you should start that way. Mm. Um, and there's there's two schools of thought on this. One is if you work for free or set your low rate, that is your new rate. Right. Um, which is a totally valid argument, um, but it's something that I disagree with. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you it, it comes down to a bit of a gut check as far as who this client is and what they're willing to pay. If you're just getting started it's more important for you to get projects than it is to make money. If you are just getting started and you must make money in your first month, then get a day job and save up so that you don't need to be in that position. Yeah. Um, you're not ready for this yet. Right. That's um, a good point. Um, and I, yeah, I think you should, your personal finance has to be uh, well, well understood and well maintained uh, before you make that leap. Um that's just a, a way of avoiding a lot of credit card debt or uh, <laughs> or other kinds of debt when you're starting out. Um, it's a it's a hugely it's going to be hugely advantageous if you're able to say actually I've got uh, th- you know three thousand dollars here and that's going to last me however long and I'll be able to make a go of it uh, for this long and then if I if I can't get get it started I, I can save up again and try again later um but and the thing is like if you are starting out like we've kind of touched on you don't really have a portfolio to prove that you can do what you say you're going to do mm-hmm. um and that makes you a risk um which means that you need to reduce the risk however you can and really the, the strongest way to do that is on your on the bottom line um and then eventually as you finish a project with a client and let's say you only charged 500 dollars, which is not very much um now you've got a video you can show. So the next client that comes around, maybe you can charge $600. Um, and it's just a slow build that way. Um, and I don't think that keeping your rate low, um, it sets a new rate, like like people say. I think that's true for, I, I think it's true for creative filmmaking because producers are sometimes and and I'm a producer, so I, I can say this. Producers are sometimes just looking to save pennies wherever they can, and if right. they can find a sound mixer who will do it for a hundred dollars a day, then and if they'll do a good job, which is I know a huge difference and not necessarily the case. Sure. Um, it just makes more sense to hire that person than someone whose right. day rate is is a normal day rate of, right. of three to four hundred bucks a day. Um, but I think in corporate video, um, it's it's kind of a blue ocean in Calgary right now. There's a lot of people who are just kind of starting to wake up to the fact that corporate video is a thing mm-hmm. um, and that video is not $10,000 like they used to think it was. Right. Um, and it's something that they can actually use to help their business. They're starting to understand how it affects um, their search engine optimization. They're mm-hmm. starting to understand, understand how it affects their audience engagement um, and just keeping their their fans and followers engaged with their brand and interested. Yeah. It's a really good time. A hugely good time. And, and, uh, we, and we think we already, oh, we're already saturated with video. I, I don't think we're even I don't think we're, started. No, we're not yeah. even close yet. Because the last 10 years was really ruled by blogging. Um, and now 
people are shifting to video now. They're right. expecting video in, yep. in every website they go to. Now. And a lot of them are doing it themselves. Um, and, and as a filmmaker, you should applaud that mm -hmm. because uh, the more video that's out there, the more people put a value on it, which means that you will get more business because people are doing it themselves. Yep. And uh, if you're in this industry and you're listening, you know how goddamn hard it is to make a video. Yeah. Um, and how much specialized skill it takes. And, mm -hmm. and we always say that our best clients are clients that have tried to do it themselves first. Right. Um, because they, they realize, oh, it doesn't take one hour to edit a five-minute video or five minutes to edit a five-minute video. Right. They, start, they understand that it <laughs> yeah. takes a long time exactly. um, and all the equipment that's involved. So there's a lot less client education when they've tried to do it themselves. For sure. Well, I think that's a good start. Maybe we can chat about this again, sure. but there's some good information there and hopefully that helps anybody who's interested in uh, getting started. You can always reach out to us at any time. Hello at abfilmcast.ca and uh, we'll uh, shift over to the, the more news stuff, I guess. <clears throat> well, those two words seemed like intelligent individuals. Oh my God, and so handsome. And, indeed, which comes through on the podcast. Totally. Uh, what's up in the deadlines world, Scott? Uh, news you can use. So the CBC... The, <laughs> the CBC short film face-off uh, call for submissions uh, is still open, but the deadline for entries is March 18th, 2016. Um, so if you've got a short film um, that is under 12 minutes in length and has been completed in the last two years, definitely um, check out cbc.ca slash short film face-off um, to, to get that in there. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, we chatted about this last week as well, but uh, the Reveal Indigenous Art Awards is, is still open. Um, check out the link in, uh, in the podcast. Deadline for submissions is June 1st, and that's that $10,000 for 150 different projects are going to be awarded in 2017. They are uh, Indigenous Arts uh, Awards. Luma Quarterly, the uh, semi-new publication that's a joint venture between M Media and the Calgary Society of Independent Filmmakers, um, is now uh, accepting, uh, has a call out for submissions for issue number five. Um, so if you have an idea for this publication um, that aims to expand critical dialogue about media, art, and film uh, in Western Canada, um, definitely give them a shout at lumaquarterly.com. Uh, submissions are due May 22nd. Uh, successful applicants will be notified on June 5th. So we'll let you know closer to the day, but uh, probably a good time to get in early. And the fifth annual FAVA Northwest Fest, I, I think it's the, the fifth annual uh, I don't, yeah, I'm not quite sure what's going on here. The Fava <laughs> Fest. So it's the fifth annual Fava Fest. They're calling it the Northwest Fest. Has a challenge for you to make a short film about music. Oh, the not Northwest Fava Fest film short film challenge. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and the film is not supposed to be a music video, but a film about music. Um, and there's a prize of $250. Uh, and the finalists and winner will be chosen by a jury of media artists and announced at the finalist screening. So uh, have a look at uh, the link in the show notes for more information and uh, make yourself a, a nifty short film for the festival. If we haven't spoken enough about uh, the National Screen Institute, then uh, we're doing them a disservice because they're one of the best organizations in our country. And uh, they have a program called NSI Totally Television. And it is for people with a uh, television series that they want to get made um, to... Uh, learn more about the industry and get their projects closer to being uh, a reality. And they're now seeking, seeking applications for Totally Television. Up to six teams will have the opportunity to develop their projects um, with the best showrunners slash story editors in the country. This 10-month course includes extensive training, individual sessions with story editors and production execs, and private pitch meetings with broadcasters. Uh, some of the teams advance to a second phase of the course uh, where they will be sponsored to attend the Banff World Media Festival. Ooh. Ooh. 
for a lot of people that's far away, but not, <laughs> not for us in Alberta, but uh, pretty exciting anyway. Um, so apply for the course by May 6th at 4 p.m. Central Standard Time. Yeah, and March Madness in Edmonton is coming up again. Uh, this is the third event and I've, uh, I'll have i be attending all three. So come in and see me and, and many of, all, all of us at Full Sweep Productions will be there. Um, and uh, it's awesome. So come check out. Uh, what, what am I saying? Me. You're right. It's not about me. It's about the guests and the keynote speaker. I'm, I'm, I'm actually laughing about this next part, but keep going. Oh, okay. Who's the, who's the uh, keynote speaker? Is, Adam, uh, Scorgi. Adam Scorgi. Podcast guest, Adam Scorgi. Um, so check out ampia.org slash workshop slash March Madness, or just click the link in the show notes for more information on the whole day. And if you're not a member of Ampia, you should become one and you get a free ticket to the event um, as, as kind of a welcome. And it's a great event if you're new to the film industry. Um, it's, a, it's kind of a... a uh, uh, crash course uh, on the Alberta film industry as well. So um, definitely something to go and check out in Edmonton. If you can, if you can't make it, there's one, uh, there's another one in Calgary that happens. They call it the Calgary dust up. And so that should be coming up in fall. I hope I don't know for sure though. So maybe go to Edmonton just in case. Well, we're all Alberta filmmakers and right. uh, there's no reason to keep Edmonton and Calgary separate. So go, go, right. go up for to Edmonton sure. and uh, introduce yourself to some Edmontonians for sure. Um, Input, uh, which is uh, an international um, organization t- dedicated to screening public service television and uh, having critical discussion about it, is coming to Calgary this year uh, from May 8th to 12th. Um, definitely recommend everyone uh, kind of hang out and, and check those things out. Um, access, this is the, my favorite part of this, um, access to the festival and for the use of the program library is 140 uh, Swiss francs. Ah, yes, the Swiss francs, yes. Uh, the Herland Production Workshop screening is going to be happening uh, on March 31st at Theatre Junction Grand. And so this is uh, a telescopic funded program with the uh, in partnership with CSIF, um, where women have been working on films um, through a series of workshops on editing and filmmaking in general. And uh, they've made a bunch of awesome films with the support of uh, the CSIF and Telus. So uh, go and see these films on uh, March 31st. Links in the show notes. An ongoing screening that we've been talking about for the past few weeks is uh, the You Can't Keep a Good Woman Down Film Festival in Edmonton, presented by Metro Cinema. Um, it's a three-evening event in honor of International Women's Day and of Edmontonian women, high, highly highlighting creativity, resilience, and advocacy. Uh, so it's been going on for the past little while uh, as we record this one tonight, but you might miss it. But the last one uh, will be next week, March 22nd at Metro Cinema in Edmonton. So definitely go check that out. And uh, on March 21st, uh, the 48-hour anti-racism film festival screening uh, hosted by the Canadian Cultural Mosaic Foundation is uh, going to be presenting the the films made at their 48-hour challenge. So um, that's happening. Um, Where is that happening? Uh, I don't see a location. But wait, if I go down, I'll see John, the John Dutton Theater, uh, 616 McLeod Trail Southeast in Calgary. And you can find out more information in the show notes. And you can even get a ticket uh, on their Eventbrite page, which we've also linked to. If you're one of the filmmakers in Fort Mac uh, and you enjoyed listening to our episode with Tito a few weeks ago, um, you will be happy to hear that uh, the National Screen Institute and TELUS Optic are bringing a screen training workshop to Fort Mac on March 20th. It's for emerging filmmakers and mid-career professionals. Um, They are encouraged to attend... this professional development opportunity to help develop their own projects and network with other filmmakers and content creators. That is happening. March 16th. 
March 20th. Oh, no. From 1 to 6 p.m. But you've got to register by March 16th. Correct. That's what I'm yes. Saying. Fava free-for-all workshop on location sound is happening Sunday, March 20th, uh, 2016. That's this year. Uh, from 1 p.m. to 5 p.m. in their exhibition suite at Fava. And it's free for Fava members, but there's only eight spots. So make sure that you uh, sign up if you're interested in learning about how to get better sound in your film, which is something we could all uh, learn from. It's a challenge. For Definitely sure. is. Yeah. Not an easy thing to do. Um, Actra is putting out something that I'm just really excited about. Um, they partnered with a great filmmaker in Calgary named Chris Cinnamon, who's putting on a performer set etiquette workshop. Um, so it's it's touted as so much more than just a set etiquette class. It will dispel the mystery of working on set, give performers an understanding of the inner workings of the film and television industry. Um, it'll provide valuable information to the individual that will help them advance their career in uh, the Alberta film, television, and digital industry. So that's happening this Sunday, March 20th from 2 to 5 p.m., um, at uh, a temple, I don't know how to say this word, Benai Tikva at uh, 47th Ave Southwest. Uh, it's free for actor Alberta members, non-members. It's only $10. So um, if, you're, if you're a performer, if you are wanting to be an actor in this industry, uh, this is probably going to be an invaluable course to get you started. So check it out, um, RSVP to events at actra.ca or check out the link in our show notes. And did you know that uh, there's an Alberta production company called Eastlink that is in the top 50 best managed companies in Canada huh? and has been for quite a while? They're hiring, and that's a good place to work, I would bet. Uh, they're hiring an associate producer. Uh, again, this is in Grand Prairie. Um, and the associate producer will have a strong video production and editing background coupled with the ability to multitask in television in a television production environment. So there's lots of uh, information on the job call, uh, responsibilities and qualifications. So check out the link in the show notes. Um, and that's a job you might want to check out. Yeah, if you're in Grand Prairie, it's a pretty awesome opportunity. For sure. Uh, okay, let's get right into recommendations. So we talked about corporate video, uh, which means that we're going to recommend some corporate video tools that will help you right. to supercharge your corporate video. Right. Um, my recommendation is a an online service called FreshBooks. Um, I think it's Canadian, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, but they charge in USD for some reason. Yeah. Anyway, FreshBooks um, is an online invoicing and estimate creation um, software. It's got a little bit of a CRM thing integrated. Um, mm-hmm. And some time tracking, which we don't really use, but uh, it's a great place to keep all of your financial information uh, in one place. Um, it's super easy to use. You can send invoices through the software, and then you can see if your clients have actually received the invoices and if they've seen them. Yeah, um, and cool. it, So it's a great way to track your cash flow. Um, and one thing I love about it is you can send automated reminders if a client hasn't paid as, as uh, in a timely manner that, like they, they may have promised to. You can send an automated message so it's not you being the jerk going like, oh, you said you were going to pay. You can have the machine blame the robots. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Blame the robots and see what happens, Matt. For sure. So I'm going to recommend Slack. Before you Are do, you not done? I'm before sorry. you do, if you're interested in FreshBooks, um, they do have a referral program, oh, yeah. and uh, so we're going to put the link to ours. So if you are interested and you want to do it, please click to the link in our show notes, yeah, and they'll that would uh, help us out a little bit. I think they reduce our monthly rates yeah. and save us a bit of money. Uh, and I'm going to talk about another great uh, networking um, corporate video tool, but also for any anyone who's got a project they're they're managing is a, a, a chat basically a chat program called Slack. It's designed for teams working on projects and uh, you can uh, sort conversations into topic and also 
determine which team member is on which uh, topic and it's got uh, file hosting so you can use it to share files and um, it's just a great way to uh, to interact with a team um, it's it's not an easy sell uh, when I when I say it but I got to tell you once you're in there using it it's really the best way to communicate with the team it keeps your conversation so organized mm-hmm. yeah, yeah it's and, great. and and you can have because you have those different conversations happening a Skype conversation that may not be pertinent for someone who's on your team they won't have to see that uh, or, or if it's confidential you can keep it just between a couple of people who need to know what's really fascinating about slack is how quickly it's grown and mm-hmm. with very little or no marketing it's actually almost yeah. strictly word of mouth that's, yeah. that's gotten this thing up and running yeah for sure we so. should get them to to advertise on our podcast because that's where i heard about it on podcast advertising we just did it hey why would they need to pay <laughs> Uh, so, uh, well, we need a referral code for them too. Uh, so that's it guys. Thanks for listening. Uh, and thanks Christy for being on the show with us. Um, and if we got anything wrong, let us know. We're happy to make those corrections. Um, and where can they find out more about us? Scott? They can uh, reach out to us via email, which is certainly the best way um, at hello at abfilmcast.ca, or they can check us out on SoundCloud, Twitter, Facebook, um, Instagram as abfilmcast in all those places. So, uh, like we say, it's not our podcast. It's the Alberta filmmaking communities podcast mm-hmm. so if you want to come on or if you have some news um let us know and we'll be happy to share it or if you want to give the podcast five stars yeah you can give it five stars on itunes <laughs> five stars on itunes you could do that too um we've got a lot of five star ratings now but uh, i want more it's true it's true yeah. i want more. all right guys hope that helps uh and uh, get out there and go, go make something, something.